Guys, welcome back to another episode of SoCal Watch Reviews. This is Miguel, episode 30. With me, I got P, no Fred today, but we got P. P, how's it going? Yo, what's going on, people? This is your boy, P. Rouse, back in the building for another one. Hey, P, episode 30, man. Episode 30. Episode 30. You know, we we, we had to do something special. Uh, I wish Fred was here to celebrate with us, but I know he's here in spirit. Uh, We got notice in the house we got Wes Wes how's it going hey man thanks for having me especially for such a important milestone for you guys it's an honor I I know thank thank you thank you thank you um so before we get started let's do our our, our wrist check uh you as our guest uh what, what are you wearing Wes sure I'm wearing the sector field which is our mm. one of our latest releases our very first field watch and it doesn't have a date because, as we all know, these days, dates don't really matter. <laughs> That's funny. That's a beautiful watch, by the way. It's, Thank you. It's, it's, it's incredible what you guys are doing. Oh, um, yeah. P, what are you wearing? I'm wearing my trusty Omega Seamaster DeVille. Very nice. Leather strap? Or what, do you, what do you got it on? Um, I Actually, I bought uh, two rubber straps for it. Really? Oh. I got the black one on it right now. It looks pretty dapper. That's interesting, Wes. How do you feel about that? How do, how do you feel about a, a about a vintage dress watch on a on a rubber strap? Hey, if it looks good. I mean, I I personally wear rubber straps all the time, but it's not for the durability, comfort level, and I like the look of it. So mm-hmm. that's cool. That's yeah. cool. Um, well, I am wearing my trusty old, and I don't know why I keep wearing this thing. Seiko Sarb zero thirty three. It's like I have. I have so many of the watches that I that I could be wearing in this one. It's just you know what it is. It's so comfortable, right? It, it just it just fits right. It's comfortable, and since it has sapphire, you know, uh, crystal, and mm-hmm. I just don't mind beating it up. I guess that's what it is. But uh, but it's versatile. Right. But uh, but yeah, that's cool. That's what we're wearing, guys. Um, so how's it going for you personally? I know you're not you're you you reside in LA, but you're stuck somewhere else. So so tell everybody how's how's it going for you and where where you're located right now. So I'm stuck in Macau, which is about an hour away from Hong Kong by boat. And they just recently built a really long bridge. So it takes about an hour by car. But it's kind of like a a city state. It used to be a Portuguese colony. So a lot of those cool remnants of of Portugal are still here. Like their, their old churches and all the signs are still in Portuguese. A lot of the cuisine here is still very Portuguese influenced. Um, but it's kind of seen as the Las Vegas of Asia because really the <laughs> entire economy is built on gambling um, or or gaming. So obviously right now everything is kind of shut down, but for the most part, the stores themselves are still open. It's just that there are no people in the stores. Uh, and then the other part of the other funny part of that is that Thermal imaging cameras are pretty much at every entrance of every building. So they've they've essentially taken the place of metal detectors. So that's kind of interesting too. Um, But Mm. other than that, life is pretty much normal. I'm still able to like go out to the gym and go to restaurants and stuff. So really, yeah, over here is kind of crazy, man. Uh, When LA is just like the full like lockdown, it's weird. And 
it's just it's just so odd over here to it's very apocalyptic you know to go to the store and have these you know you're with the teller or with the cashier or whatever and they have these plexiglass like makeshift things in front of them and everybody's wearing a face mask and gloves and uh i I don't know i just it's so sad you know and it's like when is this thing gonna end is this is this it just doesn't feel right yeah well that's the question right um i you know when i left la actually it was when there were zero reported cases so i've been gone for quite a while now because i well i first i first went on on a tour around europe and then i came out to asia to do a tour of singapore and and and, uh, kuala lumpur malaysia and it was when i was in singapore that the cases in the U.S. started ticking up really rapidly, and that's when my flights started getting canceled and rescheduled and canceled again and rescheduled. And at that point, I was like, mm-hmm. you know what? I'm not going back. I know how bad it's going to get because of how bad it got over here and in Europe. So let's just stay put for the moment. And I'm still stuck here because all the borders kind of shut down um, after I decide to come out to Macau. So that's insane. Was it really bad over there right now? Like. You know what are you? Thinking? You know what Macau actually capped out at about forty-five cases, so it was it was very very good because mm. it's I can literally I'm actually looking at China from right now from where I am, so that's how close it is. Um, but oh, as wow. as soon as they started seeing an uptick of cases in China, they shut down all the borders on of Macau and Hong Kong and Taiwan, all, all the Southeast Asian countries as well, and because because of how strict all these countries have been. Um, probably from their experience from 2003. I'm not sure you guys remember the SARS uh, pandemic. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. All, all these countries had experience with this kind of thing before. And luckily, they just they rapidly shut everything down and it kind of mediated a lot of the spread. Um, but I guess Europe and the US didn't really get impacted that much in the past. So they didn't react in, in the same quick uh, and really strict way that these countries did. Right. Well, they're they're gonna they're gonna learn, boy. I hope so. I hope so. Jeez, man. I, I heard. Um, I forgot what it was. So it was uh, Anderson Cooper. I think he was doing an interview with the governor of uh, Las Vegas, mm-hmm. and she was just like ready to open everything up. Like, oh, this is ridiculous, and then it's like, uh, yeah, it's probably not the time. I mean, <laughs> it, Vegas is. I mean, that's your run on gambling and and shows. And, yeah. You know, all kinds of things. So, I mean, I get it, but it's like, man. Well, that's the question, right? It's, it's like, and, and this relates to the watch industry as well, but it's like, what, after this is all said and done and the dust settles, what is going to stay the same? And what's, you know, all the, the cultural and social recalibrations that have gone on in the past two months, what of that stuff is going to stick around? You know, that's really the ultimate question that I think everyone's kind of grappling yeah. with right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think the new normal is going to be to just, I hope not, but maybe face masks, maybe gloves, maybe, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't really know. But uh, but one thing's for sure, shaking hands and, you know, uh, being as close as we used to be, I, I'm sure that's permanently going to change unless they're your family yeah, members. A lot of death is okay. Yeah, so no more no more hugging, no more kiss on the cheek or whatever. Yeah. It's unless they're your family, you know, but, uh, but that's crazy, man. So one thing... Uh, that you miss from from LA tell me you've been away for so long well what's the one thing you miss <laughs> this is gonna sound really dumb but I I really miss the tacos <laughs> hey, not at all man I as a Mexican I, I could attest to you <laughs> yeah the, the street food tacos man oh so good is there a favorite um kind of meat you know what I you know Leo's right that's kind of the the famous one in downtown LA but 
to be yeah. honest, I feel like that one's a bit overrated. There's a really small local one where I live in Long Beach, and they're usually parked right on Ocean Boulevard. Um, and that's the one, man. That's the one. And I like Al Pastor. Oh, yeah. my, you're my man. You're my man. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, that's we got that covered now. <laughs> cool. Um, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the history of sure. notice. Um, so we started in 2017. That was when we first came to market, and since then we've been aiming for three-ish releases every year, and we've been on track so far. This might be the year that that changes. Uh, for obvious reasons, but um, really, we started because we were enthusiasts. You know, it was it was a passion for us. We loved watches. Right. Colin, Colin's my co-founder, um, and we, we've been friends since childhood. But he's a Seiko nut. You know, he he's he's been obsessed with Seiko from the moment we started loving watches. And um, Miguel, I know you're a Seiko nut too. You're also a Honda guy. Yes. Uh, Colin's a Honda guy too. You guys are yes. pretty much the exact same yes. person. Um, yes. <laughs> um, All things JDM, baby. Yeah, All things yeah JDM. exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, one day, Colin and I, we were just kind of, you know, in the process of looking at, at our lives and what we really wanted to do. We worked together when we were younger. We were in a band together. Um, I actually, I studied music in college and I still, oh. I still play music a lot. What type of band? What in high school, we were... Um, kind of like a, a blues rock band. We played a lot of Aerosmith style music, okay, cool. um, Black Crows, thing, things of that nature. But, um, you know, cool. we, we kind of, like literally the moment we met each other when we were kids, we started jamming together and then we put a band together. So we knew that that kind of creative synergy was already there. Um, going off to college and then reconnecting after college. So after a few years when we reconnected, we still had that same kind of chemistry. And uh, we knew that we wanted to do something together, but we didn't know exactly what that was going to be. But, you know, when we started talking about watches, just like the, our favorite watches, our next watch, what watches we like, which ones we dislike, it, be, it very quickly became obvious what we needed to do. And that was to design a watch and, um, you know, just start trying, trying something ballsy like that. But what's funny is the original intent was for us to design this watch that both of us would like and really quickly we found out you can't really just make a couple of watches or even dozens of watches you have to make hundreds and hundreds of watches at one time um so that that was the first model which we've since retired that one was kind of our, our way of just testing the market um seeing if that if there was any demand for an american assembled brand at this price point with these design features and, and whatnot um and there was it it sold decently well so we just we knew that we had to keep going and three years later here we are still designing watches and still assembling them nice so i i guess one of the things that now thinking from your perspective if i was going to start a business is number one funding mm -hmm. right it's like it's kind of scary because i'm assuming when you place an order with these manufacturers there's minimums you yeah. have to meet and, and and different quality levels that you want uh i know you guys traveled to china is that correct when you guys started the business so you went to go meet with some people over there to kind of shop around stuff yes like um initially to hong kong um every yeah hong every kong. year okay. there's this big convention that happens in hong kong in se late september um and what it is is basically all of the factories and the, the middlemen, the OEM project managers, they come out to this fair and they just shake hands with a bunch of either existing watch companies or 
you know, upstarts that are trying to get something started. Um, there were a couple of guys from, I think it was in 2018, a couple of guys from the Two Broke Watch Knobs team uh, went and they covered a lot of things. I, I'm sure you'd be able to find some of the coverage there, but that kind of outlines what, yeah, yeah that kind of outlines what, yeah. what happens at the fair. Yeah. Mm. Very interesting. Very interesting. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the models. So let, which one launched first? And I know you have, you know, Avalon, Contra, yeah. Duality, Retrospect mm-hmm. 2, the Sector Series. So let's kind of break it down. What was that first model? And then with the success, how you went about it? Uh, and what was the second, third, and so on? So the first one was called the Triest. And that was, um, like I mentioned earlier, it was kind of our way of testing the market to see what people thought of, you know, the, the things that made notice notice, whether it was design or our brand ethos or whatever. And um, once that, once we saw some kind of inkling of success and we decided, all right, we're going to keep going with this. We came out with the retrospect. Um, that was the, well, the original one was a little bit more, I guess what you could call an homage. It, I, I'm not sure if you can find any photos online. I'm sure they're floating around somewhere, but it, took some cues from the Blancpain Bathyscaf, um, the, you know, the, that either the really big one or the really small one. Um, I, I wouldn't call it an homage in the sense that it looked anything like it. It just took certain proportions and uh, took some ideas from things like, like the syringe handset that they had. We kind of like did some cool things to it. So it was kind of like, uh, I guess, an homage of it's in the true sense of paying respects to something that came before it. Um, that was the intent. Mm-hmm. But right after that, we wanted to start veering away from, uh, from doing quote unquote homage watches and kind of starting with a blank canvas, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, um, and that, that was what came out with mm-hmm. the retros. Actually the retrospect was the one that, sold out really quickly that was the one that we were like all right now we have some kind of uh, momentum we need to keep this thing going um and after that was the contrail and then the avalon and then we had to do a whole bunch of reissues um so we i guess we've moved pretty quickly uh, as far as releases go but it really the the whole point of us moving quickly is because we understand as watch enthusiasts that every single design and every single model scratches a different itch right if we want like a vintage inspired diver well there you go you have the retrospect we want something on the toolier bigger side we have the avalon if you want something that's smaller you can go either the sector if you want something with a 12-hour bezel contra you know what i mean so there there's a little bit of everything for everyone Um, but every single watch still kind of encompasses the notice touch and still stands for uh, all, all the things that we believe in as a brand yeah, absolutely. Well put. And I mean, one of the things that I that I noticed immediately, like for the uh, retrospect is that concave kind of bezel, mm-hmm. or I, I don't know how to call it, but it, it reminds me a lot of like a, a rattle, right? Like a rattle, um, Captain, Captain, uh, Captain Cook. Cook. Yeah, the original ones also- were, um, they were actually done by Hewer and Gruen. Um, I think Gruen, I mean, Hewer obviously still around in kind of a bastardized yeah. form now, but uh, Gruen, I'm not sure if they're still around, mm-hmm. but they were the first ones to do uh, what's called a stadium bezel. I think that's the term I've been hearing from uh, from the forums, but stadium bezel, I think is what it's called. We'll go with that. Yeah. <laughs> and then also uh, Brightling, right? The the Super Ocean uh, Heritage, yes. we just talked about that. It has the same style. That's why yeah. I, I love this watch, man. I mean, I... There's just so many things about your watches that, that I'm a fan of. And I could tell, honestly, that these were designed by 
collectors, by enthusiasts. This is not just a brand making things to make money or producing things to make money. Uh, this is from a real enthusiast standpoint, and I appreciate that. I mean, and you guys, by looking at your watches too, I could tell that you guys are, are vintage lovers, just like we are. We love vintage mm-hmm. watches, sandwich style, and a lot of mm-hmm. uh, a lot of things here that I'm seeing. That bezel, of course, some of the hands uh, design, and of course, I see and the Seiko influence as well. Uh, when I'm looking at, you know, one of, one of your, uh, the Avalon, yep. right at the four o'clock, yep. that's, that's very Seiko, right? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's... Yeah, I'm loving this retrospect, uh, too. I'm loving I mean, they're it. all nice. I can't, I can't, if, if, you, yeah. if you were to I mean, tell me to choose one, I probably would go with oh. that, with the retrospect, too. But they're, I, I love every single one. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. That means a lot. Yeah, I'm loving. I'm loving. I'm loving that blue and green. You know what? Yeah. You know which Ooh. one I would like go nuts for retrospect to salmon down. Mm. Oh my goodness! Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Wes, dang. Yeah, that that one was um originally released last year and it did really well. So we've been getting a whole bunch of emails asking us to restock it. So we're gonna be bringing those back next week. Uh, I'm going to be keeping one for myself, but I'm, I'm happy to send one out if you want to hang out with it for a bit. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. That'd be cool. We would love cool. to do a, a, a review. But let Ooh. me, before we get into other questions, something that I, I didn't even have on uh, on my list and neither did P is, is pricing. Why don't we talk about pricing? Because sure. we had we had Monta on the show mm-hmm. and we, we're going to have Fierce Watches. Um, Nick from the show, we're, we're, we're talking to him and it, they're all different watches. Mm-hmm. They're all different, you know, movements, different things. But what about price point? Where where do you guys we see, think your position in the market? Yeah, we see ourselves fitting pretty comfortably in the four to 700 range uh, for right now. We do have aspirations okay. to shoot above that, but that would include, you know, doing things like GMTs or using a higher end Swiss movement, you know, the types of movements that actually that Monta uses. Um, that's really the only reason we would have to go above uh, what we're priced at right now. Um, but now what, would that be for your entire lineup or maybe for one specific model? Because do you want to, okay, let me ask sure. you this. Since you're in the industry and I'm, I'm clearly not, I'm just an enthusiast. Um, I could tell you from my perspective that I, I love Seiko, mm. of course, but I am not very happy with what they're doing now because all their watches now, I mean, the Alpinist is what, 800 yeah, bucks. Yeah. And I'm like, man, before it used to be affordable. Yeah. And now it's like, I, I wouldn't be able to afford that. Or I mean, I could, but it will take me forever to get it versus getting like a 350 $400 watch. I mean, it's a lot of money still, mm-hmm. but it's nowhere near these things. So where do you guys see yourself positioned in the market? Do you, do you want to be in that sweet spot or like, like I said, you want to be in the seven, $800 range for your overall collection or maybe just for one piece? As it stands right now. Um, and you know, there, there are a lot of factors that you have to balance when you think about pricing a watch from, from a, a business standpoint, right? Obviously one is cost. Mm-hmm. You have to look at the cost of the components and the labor that gets put into these watches, assembling it and regulating it and all that stuff. You have to look at the reject rate, but then on the market side, you also have to look at the pricing of other brands and, these brands that we're referring to would be the Seikos and the Orises and, um, you know, the entry-level Swiss stuff like Tissot. And, you know, once we look out into the market and see where they're pricing their stuff and we look at ourselves, we want to make sure that we're not underpricing, not overpricing, but we still want to pack a whole bunch of value. And what we found is that right now where we sit is a very comfortable place if everything stays the same. 
but as we've seen in the past two months, nothing ever stays the same. So a- yeah. as of now, I, I don't foresee us <clears throat> right. going above 700 with the current specifications that we use. Um, the only reason we would go up if everything stays the same right now would be if we upgrade our movement to a high beat, a higher end Swiss movement. Um, but what I really like about this part of the market is just how interesting it is. Maybe not not so much in the bigger brands, but um, bigger brands minus Seiko. Obviously, anything Seiko does is interesting for whatever reason. Um, but the other independent brands in this price range are also doing some really cool stuff. Um, you know, we're talking about Helios. We're talking about EMG. We're talking about like I, I can go down a list of like a dozen. I really like what they're doing. And I kind of welcome that quote unquote competition, which I think you guys will find kind of interesting that a lot of these micro brands don't look at other micro brands as competition. Um, and I think yeah. that's a beautiful way to look at it anyways, but, but right. we, we welcome more brands. We want more brands to come into the market because the way we kind of see this is that we're all on the same boat. We're all rising together. Um, so our pricing isn't really meant really meant to be competitive in that sense. It's really just what makes the most sense for us to sustain the business and make sure that we're going to be here in 30, 40, 50 years in case something from 2017 breaks. That's very cool. Well, I mean, for me, for a lot of what y'all have is some watches out there are definitely mm-hmm. charging a lot more than what y'all are charging. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, everyone has a different strategy. Everyone has different costs. Um, there are certain things that we've done in our business to kind of lean out the, the business. And we've talked about it at length on previous podcasts and interviews and YouTube videos. Um, but the, the short version is that we don't work with middlemen at all. And I know when, when, when especially when a watch brand says middlemen, I get, I have a knee jerk reaction because of it's, you know, it's Kickstarter garbage, you know, that that's usually what we're talking about when, when we're talking <laughs> about cutting out the middlemen. But I, I do believe in cutting out the middlemen. I just don't believe that brands have been focusing on the right middlemen. I think them focusing on cutting out retail is a mistake because having that face-to-face contact is a very important part of the experience of collecting watches, right? The whole point of these watches isn't really to tell the time because we all have phones for that. It's community. It's bringing people together. And you can't really do that unless you have that face-to-face connection. So when we talk about cutting out middlemen, what we're really talking about is getting rid of all of the the, uh, intermediaries between us and the manufacturer. So this is about as close as we can get to owning our own factory without having to invest several million dollars in the land and then all the incorporation fees and documents and all that stuff. Right, right, right. Well, you hit, you hit the nail right on the head before P I know where he's going, but before we Mm -hmm. deviate from this face-to-face interaction is very important. So you're an Mm -hmm. e-commerce company, right? So brick and mortar, it has that, has it been brought up? Do you guys want to be in any jewelry stores? So we we do have um, one AD in Singapore. Um, We're being we're being very selective about ADs because um, our our website tends to sell out pretty quickly. So for us to bring on ADs, it's a totally different strategy. We would have to double or triple the number of watches we produce every year. Um, and that's not something that we're really that interested in doing where we don't want this thing to grow at an uncontrollable rate. Um, so what we're doing instead is actually these notice tours. And that's the reason actually I, I have, I got my ass stuck here in Asia, but 
basically what we do is we <laughs> pack our suitcase with a bunch of watches and then we fly to a different part of the world and then we just post on our socials and send out email newsletters um you know talk to people on the forums to try to organize these events um and we basically throw parties around the world that's essentially what we do that's crazy so if i'm understanding this correctly Ooh. you just can't keep up with the demand i mean you 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 could grow exponentially but you guys choose not to because you want to contain the monster. That's, that's kind of what I'm, the sense that I'm getting. Yeah, from. essentially. Um, that's not to say we're not that's increasing crazy. our volume. We're Every year we're increasing it. We're Actually, we're doubling manufacturing every year so far. And it looks like we're going to be on track this year as well and hopefully into the foreseeable future. But that being said, we really enjoy that kind of granularity that we have on the business. Like I know people on Instagram personally, right? I've given my personal phone number out and my personal email out to some people on Instagram. And then a few months to a year later, we actually fly out to meet these people in places like Toronto and Ottawa, New York, um, Seattle. And, That's cool. you know, we, we do these tours all over the world. So it's very hard for me to differentiate now between customers and friends, which in some ways, it's it's That's a cool. dangerous spot to be. But on the other hand, it's 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 also it kind is. of a yeah. beautiful spot to be, right? These people that are supporting you, but they also legitimately care about you and know you on a personal level. I I think that's kind of cool. It's definitely cool, and I I I love that you hit on the fact of that because that's that's what happened to P and I. It's it kind of it all started as. I started my YouTube channel and then I'm like, you know what, maybe I should do a podcast, you know, cause I like talking a lot and I just don't want to have a 30, 40 minute video, just yeah. talking nonsense. So I started this whole little podcast and then I had P because he actually uh, is an Invicta collector. Now he's actually kind of getting rid of his Invictus, but he had a lot of Invictus in his collection and he was a, a member of watch gang. So to me, that was very intriguing. Cause I was like, why would anybody be, paying money for somebody to send you a watch that you don't even yeah. know what's coming right so to me it was very interesting so i had him on the show we hit it off and now i it's safe to say that we're friends we have each other's number where we're always talking and not even about watches we're just life itself and it, it's mm-hmm. cool how this this watch community becomes not yeah. just about watches it's it's in essence is a part of it but because you mm-hmm. have something in common that brings you together and you just develop that friendship so yeah you're you're 100 correct but yeah that could be a dangerous place to be in because now your customers slash friends probably want something different, right? They want a discount or they want to be special or well, what do you mean? You don't right, have exactly, that. Right. Exactly. Or, you know? So it, it's hard to scale that side of it, but um, you know, we're, we're doing what we can, you know, we, we just made our third hire um, actually that last week. So we're, we're doing certain things that help us alleviate certain pain points. Um, but, you know, we want to have control over the growth that we have. That's really the key for us. We definitely want to grow, but we want to have it controlled. Yep. Very cool. Very cool. Right. Right. Cool. Um, okay. Uh, who comes up with... So that's always a joint effort between Colin and myself. We do have a bunch of insiders. Again, these customers turned friends um, that we bounce a lot of these ideas off of, um, as well as some people in the press that, you know, people in the press are exposed to a crazy amount of watches. So they're able to, you know, come back to us with some kind of feedback based on other things they've seen, general trends that they notice, you know, things like that. Um, But we keep... 100% of the design decisions between Cullen and myself, um, you know, just because we want to maintain the notice identity. And if it, if it comes out of our heads, 
obviously we get all this information, but if we distill it down and filter it through our heads, then it comes out on the other side as still. We, we're happy with that. Um, and same thing with the naming. Um, and I actually, we did a stream today with 40 and 20. I know you guys are friends with them as well. Yes. Um, and yeah. I mentioned this on, on the stream on Instagram, but pretty much every single model that we put out after the Triest, we gave it a name as like a project name, you know, just to work on it so we can refer to it as something. But on the other side of the design process, when we have a final design and it comes to naming it, we want to scrap the project name and be like, all right, what, what, what are we actually going to call this? We always stick with the project name because it's like um, the, the example I used is people's names, right? Like a, a Peter looks like a Peter. A Fred looks like a Fred. The <laughs> retrospect looked like a retrospect. So we were like, you know what? The, the, even though it's just a project name, it kind of like, it kind of fits, doesn't it? Um, but to get to the, to, to the name of the watch, we always start with a concept, right? So like Contrail is a travel watch. So Contrails come out of planes. Um, the Avalon, it's a big, tooly, chunky dive watch and it's named after the island that King Arthur was buried in. Um, and that's where his sword was forged. Uh, duality, it's kind of like a mm. philosophical take on how balance is really the key to, to happiness and the key, and the key to life. And it has two crowns and it has the double uh, hybrid dial. And, you know, so we, we kind of try to keep the concepts and no matter how philosophical or whatever it is, we try to keep it consistent in the design as well as in the name. Well, I definitely like, uh, I, I definitely like yeah, what you guys cool. are doing now. Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, so back in the days, uh, vintage watches, they used to pick their things mm -hmm. out of catalogs. Yeah. Right. So I want these hands with this thing, with this thing. That's why a lot of vintage mm -hmm. watches look the same because yep. they pick from a catalog. Uh, I know things are a little different. So how much of your watches would you say are things that already exist versus something that you design? And you said, no, let's start from scratch. Mm -hmm. Like I know Monta watch. Uh, uh, Justin was telling us something about the, the bracelet. I think they kind of designed mm -hmm. it. It was their own thing and they, they're very proud of it. So what, what, how does that relate to your company? Yep. Is it, Things out so, of a catalog. Obviously, the movement or... is out of a catalog. Um, Seiko movements, Miyota movements, <clears throat> that all comes out of a catalog. The only thing we do to it is regulate it. And if it's not within spec or if there are any failure points, we either toss it or we keep it to ourselves uh, or, or we gift it to our enemies. Okay. And then the, um, the bracelet, <laughs> the case, the, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the crystal, really? everything is fully designed in house, uh, manufactured with our partners. The clasp is the only thing that's really a catalog part, um, but it's we we did that very okay. for a very specific reason. Um, something that I think a lot of enthusiasts and collectors would be surprised by is that the bracelet actually is an order of magnitude more difficult to manufacture than uh, to design and manufacture than the case and and you know all the other steel parts on the watch head itself. And the clasp is an order of magnitude harder to manufacture than the bracelet. So the way we saw this thing, and again, we're only three years old, so we haven't really done everything that we wanted to do yet as far as manufacturing and quality goes. But um, we decided to start with the watch head because obviously you can't have a watch without the watch head. And then we designed the bracelet after that. Correct. Right. So the, actually the very first um, retrospect and then the Avalon those came on a bracelet that we did manufacture, but we didn't design. That was basically a design from an old, old catalog from like five, six years ago. Um, 
and we noticed that no one was using this bracelet. We were like, you know what, let's just use this since no one, no one has a mold anymore. We know what it looks like. Let's make these molds and tool this thing. And um, we did it. Turns out a few big brands ended up taking those molds and started using it for their watches. So we decided (laughs) to design another one and we did some specific things in, in the new updated H-Link bracelet to make it a little bit harder for brands to justify using. Um, And you can see that on the duality. So the duality in the sector that uses the new bracelet that we designed and manufactured ourselves. And right now we're working on a couple of cool things like straps, um, clasps, uh, buckles. You know, we're, we're working on all that stuff now. Yeah, and I I noticed that now that you said something about a bracelet. I know you guys sell a nail strap and a rubber strap, which is super cool. I I like when brands do that. And not only that, but the price points, I mean, for your NATO, you're charging 20 bucks, which is crazy. And then the Tropic, you're charging 35, which is, again, not a lot of money. Um, Is there any... uh, talks to maybe expand that yeah well uh, line of nato we're first and foremost a watch company so we want to focus in on the things that are kind of unique to the watch that includes the bracelet and and uh, eventually a diver extension clasp but um, as far as straps go we are experimenting now with fkm rubber which is the you know the super high-end rubber that's the stuff that everest uh, uses right that's the kind of rubber that they use um, so, you know, it's the real good stuff. So we're experimenting with it, but we haven't really made anything yet. We're just trying to get used to working with these materials and working with that supply chain. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. So you you mentioned the movements, mm-hmm. right? So we, we got the Miota, we got the NH35. So you went with those movements due to price, I'm assuming, right? Versus going with an Etta versus going with a... You know, you'd be surprised, so, yeah. actually. The, um, or is there another reason? I mean, so price on the Seiko, that's obvious because there isn't really anything at that price point that can really be comparable. Um, but I think you'd be surprised how close the Miota and the ETA, uh, the equal ETA, so the 2824 or the Salida equivalent, which is the 200, they're priced very, very closely. Um, and we actually worked with a Swiss manufacturer in the past. And we're right now we're actually in talks with a number of Swiss manufacturers, but they're just very small nuances that we don't really like about certain movements. Um, you know, for us, if we're going to go Swiss, it's not going to be at this price point because they don't make anything at this price point that we'd be happy with. Got it. So your your watches, um, so are they manufactured overseas or are they? Yeah. So so every everything, or, all the parts, they all know. come out of Asia. So um, we're talking about Taiwan for, um, you know, I'd have to look at at my records to see exactly where everything comes out of. But it's Taiwan, Japan, uh, Malaysia, and mainland China is where all the parts are made and sourced from. And then we have all them, all the components shipped over to Los Angeles, where my partner Colin does the inspection, the regulation, and the assembly. Um, and then, yeah, we fulfill right, right out of LA. 
So mm-hmm. I've been looking at your watches and every single dial I'm looking at, it doesn't say anything like assembled in America or, you know, something, you know, most people put mm-hmm. Swiss made or Japan made or, or, or something like that. Is there a reason for you guys? So we, we do have designed and assembled in Los Angeles on the case back. Um, we didn't, we didn't want it. We wanted to keep it okay, inconspicuous it. because we want the watch to speak for itself. Got it. Um, I think, Especially now with the whole, and sorry to keep, I keep on bringing up the whole coronavirus mm. situation, but. Yeah, keep bringing <laughs> well, it up, it's okay. <laughs> well, exactly, right? So it one is, of the things that it's, it's doing that I, I do life, think yeah. some positives do come out of this, um, you know, and you really have to stretch sometimes to look for the positive in such a negative time, but I'll, I'll do what I can. But one of the things that I think really is a good thing coming out of this is that a lot of the, uh, and excuse my French, but a lot of the bullshitters, a lot of the kind of the, well, I, I'm actually <laughs> admittedly a fan of some of the things that not everything, but some of the things they're doing. Um, but a, a lot of broken systems do float to the top and you get to see the true colors of companies and people and brands come up. Right people shopping for toilet paper, for instance, um, you know, companies like shake mm-hmm. public companies like Shake Shack and uh, Ruth Chris Steakhouse applying for money that they don't need, which takes away a fuck ton from, from, you know, people yes. that actually need it, mechanics, hairdressers, uh, um, restaurants. Yeah. So that's one good thing that this crisis brings up. And the reason I bring that up is because when it comes to the whole like Swiss made thing, American made, you know, made in Japan, these are just words, you know, they're, they're for the, for the sake of argument, they're brands like the Swiss made label, the built in America label. These were all brands that were invested in by, by governments and by really big corporations. And that's a game that we just have no interest in playing. And I know for a fact that we're losing sales um, based on that. Like the fact that we're so open about where our stuff comes from, you know, as people in the industry, and I, I heard Justin talking about this too, which is one of the reasons why he, him, Monta, and Mike, they're some of my favorite people because they know that what it takes to succeed in today's day and age is really just transparency. And they're transparent about everything they do. Yeah, they, they work with Swiss um, manufacturers. And as it turns out, some Swiss manufacturers have factories in China. That's just the way the cookie crumbles. But when you look at the bigger brands, right, like the Omegas, the Rolexes, are they saying the same thing? Definitely not, right? Because they have a brand to they have a brand to uphold. Yeah, of course. And not. don't get me wrong, Omega actually is one of my right. favorite brands of all time. I have a Planet Ocean at home. I really do miss it, and it's a GMT too. So it's kind of dumb I'm here in the other part of the world without a GMT. Oh. But um, <laughs> but you know the truth is they do manufacture some stuff with mm. our factories right? It, that's no secret anymore. All this stuff has been documented on Facebook groups and on forums and stuff like that. But it's really when it comes to appealing to a crowd outside of the knowledgeable crowd, outside of people like you, me, and you know all the other enthusiasts on forums and stuff. The ones that buy into the Swiss made label and the US made label, that's a game that we just aren't really interested in playing because to us, it's, you know, again, I excuse my French, but it, it is kind of bullshit and it doesn't really deliver any value in our opinion. Well, bravo to you. I, I love the fact that you're saying it. We say it all the time. And in fact, I, I, uh, I end every single one of my mm-hmm. videos and every single one of the podcasts 
with the with the phrase stay humble and i really genuinely mean that because a yeah. lot of these collectors have a stick up their ass and and honestly it's just like i both p and myself i, I picked up a pagani mm-hmm. design right so I, i'm sure you know what that is it's a chinese watch for like 80 bucks that features a ton of crazy stuff um and it's it's crazy how they're able to package this for eighty dollars right but we get negative comments we get people oh is that chinese stuff and it, and it's like you, you don't even know how many things come from asia from like these yeah. big companies now that the level of quality is not the same i get it but at the end of the day they're coming maybe right. from the same factory so you need to yeah. get off your high horse and just like seriously man you know it's it's people are crazy but Something that I was reading on your website, something about COVID nineteen. You guys are actually giving a portion of your earnings, right? To uh, to a yeah. World so um, well, a like couple that. of things happened since that press release came out. Um, so you know, being in the okay. U.S., I'm sure you guys saw that the recommendations have flip flopped a whole bunch of times. Um, we yeah, pretty much every day every we day. see the U.S. <laughs> Fed and the states fighting each other while the rest of the world is getting access to the P- uh, PPE that they need. So what what happened was we bought a bunch of masks. They were the KN95, which is the N95 equivalent in China. Um, performance is exactly the same, but it wasn't approved in the US yet. But we got thousands of them and we were ready to ship them out. We emailed directly to hospitals and said, look, I know this isn't um, approved by the CDC or the, H- um, the, the World Health Organization but we have them and we want to give it to you guys. We're sitting on boxes and boxes of this stuff. We got it specifically for you. So let us know when you're ready. If you guys run out of anything, we'll be waiting. And they said, look, everything you read from the CDC and the World Health, Health Organization and the federal government, ignore all of it. We, we have doctors, we have nurses wearing maxi pads on their faces because we're out. There's nothing left. Um, so USC wow. was one of the schools, uh, UCLA, Kaiser Permanente, which is, um, I believe it's nationwide, but they're all over LA. Um, we decided to yeah. give all those masks to them. And as soon as we gave it to them, they were like, well, we went through it in like a day or two. So we ordered a whole bunch more. Um, Do you have we, more? Well, we got a bunch more. <laughs> so yeah. one thing that we started seeing, you know, and because we're so close to our supply chain, um, we were getting reports that pretty much any factory in China, whether it's a cell phone company, a textile factory, a watch factory, any factory that has a assembly line of some sort, they're actually modifying their supply chain so that they can actually start either manufacturing or um, packaging these face masks to send to the rest of the world. One reason, obviously, is because money. They can make money doing this. And the second reason is because if they don't, that the cost that they pay is death. You know, a lot of people are going to die if they don't do this. So they started doing that. And for us, I mean, we had a lot of things happening all at the same time. We had a release and we had to do shipping. And on top of that, the problem is compounded because I'm stuck here and Colin's really doing everything. So we were really stretched thin. It's part of the reason why we hired a third person. Um, But we also, on the other hand, felt kind of a moral obligation. You know, we felt like, if we have access to the supply chain and the federal government and the state governments are busy fighting each other, no one's really getting these masks. And we're hearing this from the doctors, right? There's a lot of red tape and you know, a lot of the uh, subcontractors that the government is going to, or they're saying, yeah, but it has to have this specification, that specification. If the doctors are the ones getting sick, 
I don't really care about what all those other people say in between, right? The doctors need masks. We have a supply chain. We just basically bought a right. whole bunch more and shipped it all back out. On a, So that was a second shipment that went out last week. Um, luckily, New York has started to flatten the curve. Um, Southern California, actually, they flattened the curve a long time ago, but it's still a pretty high rate of, um, of diagnosis. Um, so it's a little bit easier to extrapolate now. But the thing is, now everyone is catching wind that these supply chains are open. So our supply is pretty much dried up now. Um, so on one hand, it, yeah, at least they're getting out to the right people. But the bad thing about this is that we've seen that the prioritization of certain states and certain counties that are getting hit worse than others, that's a complete disaster. Um, so we did what we could and yeah. we're still going to continue to do what we can as soon as more supply comes up. As soon as we get word that they need more, we're going to, we're going to make it happen. Um, you know, we're a tiny, tiny company, but I think everyone has a part to play. We're lucky that we've had the kind of support that we've had from the, the watch community. And for the first time ever in our history, we're completely sold out of every single watch. And that is completely against what we wanted. We want to be one of those brands that always has a watch ready when you want it and we can ship it out the day after, right? That's, that's what our dream was. But in the past, um, since January, February, and March, they were killer months. But as a result, this month, we have absolutely nothing to sell. Um, so not the worst problem to have, but a yeah. problem nonetheless. And now we have to redirect our attention back to the watches uh, for a little bit, you know, just to restock the store. We're lucky that we had the support from the community uh, because it gave us the funds to buy these masks and it gave us the funds to, to survive in case this thing does go to May and June, uh, which I know is something you guys also wanted to talk about. And it is relevant to, to these times anyways. Um, but we'll be okay. We'll, we'll be here when the dust settles and we'll be waiting here with a bunch of watches and hopefully no more masks needed. Yeah. P P actually. Well, salute to you guys for what y'all are doing. You know what I mean? For the community. And the yeah. No, P crisis. was, was the one that was going to ask you, I think about the uh, COVID-19 and impacting. Yeah. I mean, as you stuff, know, so. all of us are friends, right? I'm friends with all the guys from pretty much every single brand. So we're talking, you know, there, there are a lot of conversations happening behind closed doors that the public is unaware of. And, and actually, you guys are doing a very important job, too. So thank you guys for doing this. But you're giving a little window into the minds of the microbrand industry. And I think it's a very important thing to do. I think I'm still an enthusiast. I'm interested in what my friend, my fellow microbrand owners are doing. Luckily, now I have the luxury of saying, oh, by the way, I own notice. Let's let's talk shop. Right. But if I was just an enthusiast and you take the, the brand owner part out of it, I'd be curious, what are these brands doing help or do they need help? Or, you know, like what's the plan moving forward? So you guys are doing a very important job keeping the market up to date uh, on, on everything going on, but behind closed doors, all the conversations are, you know, brands are suffering. That's the truth. And so I'm not surprised. I mean, watches aren't a necessity. They're, for the sake of argument, they're a luxury good. It's something that you don't necessarily need, but it's something that you want. But that's not where money goes when, you know, when everyone's in a cash crunch. So, yeah, so brands are suffering and it's really hard for me to see, you know, and without getting too emotional about it, it's, uh, it, it's frustrating to see uh, this entire thing being prolonged by 
mistakes made by way bigger companies. You know, the, the, the bigger companies are supposed to be the ones protecting the little guys uh, and the little guys are suffering because of all the wrongdoings of the big guys. Yeah, no, for sure. So. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's the, the whole the history. The whole so world. if, if this quarantine then uh, so. continues for, let's say May, June, are you guys going to be okay? You're going to make it through it. I mean, are you able to get mm-hmm. things? Uh, you said you're sold out. So what does that really mean? Does that mean that during you're not producing watches right now? Cause no, we're closed, actually we're in production that, now really for um, for a couple of thousand more units. So as okay. I mentioned, one, one of the one of the things that we did early Perfect. on in, in our company life is we want to get rid of the middlemen and the middlemen between us and the factory was really where we found the delays happening. So since we got rid of that, our our production line has become way, way more efficient. So we're able to feasibly if, if, if everything goes according to plan um, we're able to get a design into the hands of an engineer and six to seven months later have a final product and we're not talking prototypes we're talking about ready to ship you know doing we've done the marketing preparation and all that stuff um, so luckily we're able to continue to manufacture our factories at our the factory that we work with was actually one of the first ones in uh, Shenzhen to open up again I'm not exactly sure what the reason. I, I have my suspicions that the workers were in the immediate Shenzhen area, um, as opposed to some of the other factories where you know workers come from far, far reaches of China. And even if a factory is given a green light, they still have to get on trains and come back. And the train system is really what slowed everything down. Um, so we're we're lucky in that regard. All of our workers right. were in the immediate area of the factory, so we we pretty much kicked back into gear as soon as Chinese New Year ended and everything opened up. That's cool. Well, that's good to hear. So it's safe to say, I mean, obviously we, we can't predict the future, but it's safe to say. You I, think so. be I think so. I think that's pretty safe time. to say. Um, like I mentioned earlier, we have some runway. We'll, we'll survive, um, you know, at, at least until the summer, if we're smart about our money. And again, if everything goes according to plan, uh, we could probably survive until the end of the year, um, assuming we don't make another sale. But we, we, that's you're gonna make time sales, man. <laughs> Come on. I mean, I, I just yeah. I need to make sure that I'm keeping my head straight on and, and keeping everything. You know, trying trying to stay grounded. Um, but we we do have every month from now until July, we have either a restock or a launch of a new model planned. So we have a bunch of things keeping us busy all the way until the end of summer. So we're we're gonna be good for now. Um, and to be honest with you, my main worry really is about some of my friends that might not come out on the other side. Strap companies have already been closing left and right. Um, some retailers, I, I read this morning on um, on Watch You Seek that Page and Cooper in the UK declared bankruptcy. I, I don't know how legitimate this was, but it, it was um, you know screenshots and stuff. So, um, but that terrifies me because mm-hmm. a lot of these people are my yeah. friends. You know. <sighs> yeah. yeah, but that sucks, man. But by the way, before before I I don't want you to think that we dismiss the fact that you thanked us and, and and we're we're a small podcast, man. Like honestly, we're we're tiny. But if we could, we're we're actually honored to have you on the on the podcast. Thank you so much. 
yeah, thank you so much for for being so cool and oh, taking yeah, time to, to say, yeah, absolutely. I'll jump on with you guys. And, and it means the world to us. We're enthusiasts, you know, so for you to, to do this for well, us. Yeah, we, we actually really prefer cool, you know? the so. <laughs> quote unquote smaller podcast because they tend to be a little bit more authentic. And, you know, I, I listened to a bunch of episodes of your um, of SoCal Watch Reviews before we even talked um but it was it was the monta one that's that's no the way. one that i was like wow really? this is like you know right. you're really shining a light into the industry you're not just a bunch of watch enthusiasts talking about watch enthusiast things you're actually curious and you're actually interested in showing the world <laughs> what it's like to run a micro brand without you yourselves actually running one and um i mean in in my opinion it's a very very important role that you guys play in the industry because who else is going to do that we we can't count on Hadinki to do that. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. We would never sell out. Would that suck? Be? Let's go to commercial. Right, no, I'm, right. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Today's video is sponsored by. No. That's what I like to so, hear, guys. So cow, so cow yeah. watches you. This, <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Movement Watches. <laughs> All right, we're back, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh no oh god don't, oh, don't no. get me started all right They're new automatic <laughs> all right okay uh, um let's see speaking of movement no uh that's uh that's a short answer it's for an in-house movement yeah, no, it's, yeah. it's expensive. We we wanted to know. We like to ask cool. microbrands that yeah. because, cool, cool. as you know, Christopher Ward did yeah. it, you know. So we're like, all right, so I know they have deep, yeah. deep pockets, you know. So it takes a lot of money, a lot of effort, but we definitely want to ask. But in, in that uh, kind of sentiment, any any um, any plans for mm-hmm. a dress watch? Everything we see in yes. your collection is very sporty, but dress watches, um, how do so you guys feel about Actually, that? look is at your that... wrist. Um, the Sarb is in my opinion, one of the most beautiful cases ever designed in the history of watchmaking. And, um, and Ooh, yes, we do want to put out a dress watch <laughs> and it's probably going to be along the lines of the Sarb in the sense that yes, it's dressy, but yes, it's also sporty. And Seiko is a perfect brand to represent yes. towing that line. Um, and also pretty much every grand Seiko is a sport watch, but also a dress watch. So, um, yeah, we're we're going to do one. We're actually in the design process right now. Uh, there are a couple of cool things that we want to do before we actually mm-hmm. finalize the design because, you know, a dress watch, it's a very specific type of watch that you wear in a very specific um, occasion. And sometimes it can feel bland from, from at least the, the dress watches that I've seen out there. So there has to be another degree of interest there has to be something cool about it uh whether it's a cool dial texture or a a new application of of technology that's been proven to work so we want to try some cool things before we confirm the design but yes it it is in the pipeline right now that's awesome that's what i like to hear please please keep in mind or or be open to the idea of a salmon dial i mean that's hot I love it. Oh, okay. All right. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. So yeah. with that yeah. said, I mean, hopefully we will get some momentum. This 
stupid virus will go away um, and your company will continue to grow. I'm, I'm pretty, pretty, uh, I, I firmly believe that. So with that said, what is the ultimate goal for your company, for the mm-hmm. company in terms as a whole company or maybe like a specific watch, like a platinum, a gold, a diamond, kind of something that, that that's kind of like the ultimate grail for you guys. Yeah, as a company. well, we... We try not to define our ultimate goal with, with metrics. Like we, we don't want to sell like four or 5,000 watches a year. We like, that'd be nice, but that's not really the goal for us. The goal for us is to really just maintain what we have, even no matter what scale we reach, we want to be able to throw these parties for people. We want to be able to meet people face to face and really involve the community. We always say that we're a community company that just happens to sell watches. Watches just happens to be the medium that brings these people together. And, you know, that's really why we exist. Our our purpose is to bring people, interesting people together to do interesting things and talk about hobbies. And, you know, like last November, we threw a party in uh, Ballast Point in Long Beach. And yeah, everyone that came, they were all watch enthusiasts, but there are a lot of Mm -hmm. other types of gearheads there. People brought knives, people brought flashlights, people brought leather goods there are a bunch of car people they're musicians like people are inherently interesting and we want to shine the light on the interesting parts of people because we know that things like work and Mm -hmm. school hammer the shit out of you and get all the interesting stuff and flush it down the toilet we want to bring that stuff back Mm -hmm. um and as as long as we continue to do that we're happy we don't really care too much about how many watches we end up selling Okay, so no plans for like um, uh, platinum or gold. Bronze is really the only other. Uh, bronze and titanium is really the only other materials on the table right now. Um, yeah. Okay. That's cool. Titanium is pretty cool. I mean, it's hot with every with every yeah. company, right? I mean, that's that's what everybody's doing. So, but I would imagine yeah. this is a little more expensive, really hard to work with. That's what I makes mean, it fun, it's, though. It's definitely, uh, definitely, yeah. Different, but, uh, <laughs> right <laughs> yeah yeah that'll be super mm-hmm. cool but i know there's some people like grand seikos mm-hmm. right some people love them but they're like oh i, I just can't i just can't deal with mm-hmm. the uh with the titanium it just feels feels like a cheap watch and and i mean and in a sense i guess yeah. when something like a watch feels so light yeah it, yeah it does make you feel like is this is this cheap is this not well constructed until they handle like a like a pelagos or something they're like okay now i get it now i understand the titanium appeal yeah. True. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, you kind of covered. We were going to ask you about uh, watch. Yeah. Yeah. We're out. Um, we'll have more in about out, a week, so right? Depending on when this week. podcast comes out, but early May, uh, we'll have more stuff. Right. So every just the retrospect. Um, so May is going to be the retrospect. Um, June will be the retrospect. duality. Uh, July will actually no sorry May is going to be the retrospect and the duality so duality is going to be towards the end of the month though and then June will be the contrail too um, July will be a whole bunch of new sector series mm. sure very cool if you don't mind me asking because I'm, I'm just really curious that's uh, that retrospect. What's, a, what's the price point on that guy Yes, not bad. Yeah, everything. And that's, all, that's all them for are the salmon dial too, or and all Ooh, the. Not bad at all. That's crazy. That's 
That's not bad at all, man. So that is not um, bad. It, obviously <laughs> you're an enthusiast and your first watch was a TSO, yeah. right? Your parents gifted you for high school graduation. So what, aside from that and your planet ocean that you just told us about, what's in your personal collection? And, and well, what's I have a whole bunch of ultimate uh, grail, uh, micro watch collection. So I got a crucible from Mark II early last year, actually exactly a year ago. Um, and then towards the end of the year, right after wind up in New York, um, in the winter, I got a Monta Triumph. That was for a kind of like a Christmas present to myself. Um, mm. Yeah, the the green dial. I got the Very green nice. dial because I've been lusting after it for a long time. And Justin told me mm. uh, quietly, mm. hey, man, we're going to be stopping these real soon. So if you want it, you better mm-hmm. I was like, no, say no more. It's mine. So I got one of those. Um, I have mm-hmm. a EMG Nemo, the yellow dial. Really love that one. I actually just picked up a Helios Tropic B, okay. which was one of the first watches I fell in love with. Um, but either later this year or maybe next year, Very I cool. do plan on picking up a Fairer Lander. Um, I definitely want to get myself a Speedy at some point. Um, and I love the Zin 356. But, you know, I mean, you know how it is, right? The list can go on and on and on. So. <laughs> <laughs> It goes on and on and on. And then the, I don't know if this happens to you, but this is like yeah. the craziest thing that I don't know. This is like an addiction. You buy something and it's not yeah, even there yeah. yet, right? You haven't even received it and you're already looking for something else. What it's I like, found actually what? is Why am buy I doing straps. Like, if you buy a watch, buy geez. straps and that kind of curbs the habit and it's a more bad. inexpensive way to spend your money. So just buy like one or two straps in preparation for that watch that's incoming. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, it's a good idea. That's that's a very yep, good idea. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, no, but but I mean, we say it out of when you buy the watch, watch, already kind of buy the straps yeah. ahead of time. So that way when everything comes in, it's like you have a chance to right, to right. kind of change it up and, and, and play with it or whatever. So that's pretty cool. So um, your I guess your it ultimate de- grail depends on how you define grail, but if it's a grail in the true sense, like there's zero chance of you getting it, I'd probably say the <laughs> Five five one seven, the mill sub with the with the T on the dial and the custard sword hands. That thing is a oh, beauty. But yes. um, money also doesn't grow on trees. So probably, yes. man, that's a tough one. There's so much I want. <sighs> like I, I I could say speedy, but that's not really a grail because I can attain <laughs> that somewhere down the line. Um. But I guess speed would be the closest thing. That's really the watch that I, I keep coming back to, even though I know everyone has one. And, you know, um, yeah, but that, that'd probably be the one. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Uh, it's an awesome watch. Yeah. Do no. you? No, I have no, to I ask. don't. Um, Do I probably, I never would own a modern Rolex. Um, but I, there... I'm really into the vintage stuff. But unfortunately, we see where those prices are going. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Very nuts. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I mean, Fotina right and, and I mean, yeah. everybody's taking from the vintage world and just kind of modernizing it. So, but it's cool. I mean, I love vintage, yeah. but not every aspect of it. But I, I yeah, yeah. I probably lean towards the Tudor, well, like a know, Black Bay 58. Us, so. <laughs> if I wanted to scratch the Rolex itch, and I know you can't really scratch that itch with a with a Tudor, but um, it it'll do the job for me. You know what I love the vintage. Uh, well, obviously, vintage I heard rumors that they were going to come out with it this year at awesome Basel, which obviously was canceled. But yeah, it's hard to say. Yeah, yeah. maybe. 
Maybe, <laughs> or they'll come up with the P02. We, 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 we don't talk about that one. <laughs> or P01S or something. I don't know, whatever. We don't talk about that. That's forbidden. Okay, all right. Well, before we move on to other things, anything else? No, I mean, just about, anyone about who's notice, listening to us that watches. you know has supported us, and I, I don't mean that in, in the sense that you bought from us, but if you've followed our journey, if you've ever commented or liked a photo or sent me a message, on Instagram or an email, or even if you've just typed in noticewatches.com or anything like that, just thank you for your attention. I mean, that That's really what got us to where we are and uh, continues to help us grow. It's really just the attention and, and the love and peace and all that good stuff that make this world a much prettier place to live in. Love and peas. You hit something very interesting. Did you ever rave before? I haven't heard that before. Plur. Peas, love, (laughs) unity, and respect. (laughs) Here in LA, okay, raving was a huge thing. So I, I, my one of my friends, he's probably listening (laughs) right now. Plur. That's that's kind of the acronym they live by. Uh, Peas, love, (laughs) unity, and respect. I'm like, sure. When you're on ecstasy, I guess that's what you're thinking of. But whatever. (laughs) But hey, I know you guys. Yeah, sure. Um, Long Roads Podcast. You want to plug uh, that? I purposely don't really plug it because it's not a watch podcast. It's really, um, we just talk about interesting people matter. doing Come interesting on, things. <laughs> uh, the whole concept of long roads is that, you know, everyone is on their own unique journey. And, you know, at any point in time, you can find yourself at a crossroads and no matter what direction you take, it's going to be a long, difficult journey. And we want to document that for people. Yeah. Amen, man. That's mm-hmm. awesome. And th- that kind of that kind of ties in with sure. Notice, yeah, the it's um, name, notice right? is a Latin word. What, it means what it actually. Means. Well, the literal notice. translation is note, N O D E, but in context, it was used more as intersection or crossroads, quite literally. And we kind of wanted to embody that idea of being at the mm-hmm. center of of everything. We're able to get you the best of both worlds, whether it's um, if you want good quality but accessibility. If you want vintage taste with kind of mod- modernity infused into it, that was kind of the idea. We wanted to just be anything that you could want, anything that you could have, we could offer it to you. Um, you know, I, I don't really know how well, how good of a job we're doing with that, but the whole concept of the road is it's sticking along with us. You know, it's the brand right now really is just about doing better. You know, we just want people to do better and we want we understand people's lives. They're all difficult. It's all, it's a long, hard road. Um, watches make it a bit easier to live in. So yeah, that, that's kind of the concept behind the brand. Yeah. That's cool, man. I, I, I honestly, mm-hmm. no, go ahead. P. Cool. And I wanted to add that. You. I mean, okay. we, we get this question all the time because apparently it looks like a Freemason logo, but um, it, it's not, nah, it, it's just an artistic representation <laughs> of a knot, like, um, you know, like you tie a knot. Yeah, that's that's really all it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Mm. <laughs> I could tell you, but I'd okay. have to kill you. Are you are you sure, Wes? It's one of those types of questions. <laughs> are you in ties with the. Ah. Mm. <laughs> But you're not in the United States, so you got to tell me. No, I'm, just kidding. I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, that's cool, man. Honestly, from a design perspective, I, I really love the way the, the, the words notice kind of play with the dial. It's not long. Like Christopher Ward, right? I, I love the design of the watches, but I hate their logo. It's ridiculous. It's like, how are you going to spell out the whole 
name Christopher Ward on the dial. It just does not work for me. But notice works, and your your logo Thank is you. very well. Can very can I give you guys a question? Meant, you mentioned that you're yeah, actually going to have Lewis on the cool. show um, either next or somewhere down the line. Can I give you guys a question to ask him that ties into what you just said about our name Notice? Yeah. Okay. Can you ask him to tell you the story of how Absolutely. Rolex um, was founded? Or the the name Rolex was came about. And you'll start to see why all these brands use, okay. you know, okay. a, a certain naming scheme. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Alphabetical, something to do with the alphabet. But yeah, we'll, we'll definitely ask them. <laughs> oh, yes. But all right, guys. So we got to the portion of the show where we talk other things. So uh, anything you want to share with our with our listeners, food, uh, TV, Well, I have definitely whatever. been eating a lot. So, um, Wes, what you got? My... My dad has been working in Macau for, I think, mm. four, about four years now. Um, but you know how it is when you live in a place, you don't really go out to see the sites. You don't really learn about the history. It's only when you go somewhere temporarily that you do it. So I haven't really learned of about course. the history of yeah. Macau. So I've been doing a lot more of that with my mom, um, just going on hikes, going to some of the old um, temples and you know, just figuring out why is Macau the way it is? Why did China allow Macau to exist? Why did the Portuguese leave? And why did they leave behind certain things? Uh, and I'm just really finding the history fascinating because if, if you spent any time in Asia, you'll see the influences from like Britain and Singapore and in Kuala Lumpur. You can see the British influence in, um, uh, in Hong Kong. But it kind of fuses together in a really cohesive kind of a, it's a beautiful way. But here in Macau, the way the Portuguese influence has fused with the more Eastern Oriental type of, uh, of taste completely turned into a clusterfuck and nothing works here. And just figuring out, you know, tracing, tracing back in history and figuring <laughs> out why things happened the way they did is, is very interesting. Um, has a lot to do with just the way the Portuguese culture, you know, back like 300 years was, and then the way the Hong Kong turnover in 1997 happened. And, you know, a lot of small things led up to how, you know, we still see Portuguese signs here and there's still a lot of Portuguese cuisine here. Um, but for the most part, everyone here still is very, it's very Chinese. Like everyone speaks Cantonese or Mandarin and English. So it's really like a, a clusterfuck of a bunch of different cultures. Yeah. That's crazy. So, are your no, parents my, originally um, from there? And my then they came dad to was actually California born in and then they left Brazil. again, or um, but he grew up in New York. Like he he moved to New York really soon after he was born. My mother was born in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, but then moved down to Singapore really quickly after she was born. Um, and my dad actually is ex Navy, so he fought in the Gulf War, and that kind of that's what brought him to Singapore, where he met my mom, and then and then and then out I come a few years later. Mm. Uh, Cullen's family's from LA. So how'd you guys end so up in LA? LA, LA is Cullen's home. But um, I I went to school in the East Coast in Boston. Oh, I'm, and, I'm sorry. Okay. You know, studying music. My dream was to work in the music industry. So I, LA is kind of the place to be when you're in music, right? So I moved out with the intent to work in music, but instead of doing that, I ended up working in watches and I have no regrets because it, I think it's a lot more fun and the people are a lot less snobby. 
surprised you'd be surprised but yeah uh, way less snobby in, in the watch industry so yes so you said you met Colin yeah at the time you guys he was younger. living in Beijing China. was it in school uh, or how, my dad moved them? us to Beijing as well for a few years so it was when we were in seventh grade that our paths crossed and then we graduated together through high school and then parted ways yeah in Beijing China yeah, we, we were at an international but school. But then you ended China. up here in, so here in it LA. It was pretty much that, an American school. What? All the American kids went to this school. All the Americans that lived in China lived, went to this school. Yeah. I got it. <laughs> Neither can That's I. That's interesting. Neither That's can a I. crazy life. Oh, my God. I can't even keep up. <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy. All right, P, uh, what you got? Um. Star Wars and Clone Wars, best episode this year. Well, probably best episode of uh, 5, I've watched all of it, so. um, but I kind of ignore um, 1, 2, you, and 3, uh, Star and Wars guy? I also ignore everything after. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> yeah, so 4, 5, 6 is really where it is, but yeah, yeah, I'm a fan. Okay. I'm a fan. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, this um, this guy, uh, P, just takes it to another level. He watches like all the little, oh yeah, <laughs> all the little series and all the I don't know him and him oh, and yeah. Fred. <laughs> I fall asleep while they're talking Star Wars. I just fall asleep on the background. <laughs> also, I, I chopped trees down this week. Ugh, hell of a job. Got the chainsaw out. Chopped down two trees in my backyard. That's a lot of work. Oh yeah. I got it done though, so it's all good, good job, man. Good yeah. job, man. Good job, man. And then you're keeping up with your videos. I see for you just reviewed the Pagani design, so yeah, yeah good job, man. It's and a lot been, of work. I've been doing the um, uh, keeping up with videos on Purple Underground channel too. So yeah. By the way, Wes. So P is a huge uh, no Prince fan, and he actually has a YouTube channel dedicated to Prince. The artist, the, the musician, yeah. yeah, yeah, and he has that channel has almost like what seven thousand subscribers or something. Uh-huh. So yeah, he yeah. he's big on that, and they got I think one of their videos got over a million oh, wow. views. It, do you, like that. so, yeah, what do you what kind of content you put on there? Is it like um like you're playing the music? Yeah, or... so that's cool. Okay, okay, gotcha. No, we're reviewing the music. Uh, <clears throat> we do song discussions. We do a lot of uh, we do a lot of other stuff too. A lot of hip hop stuff. Um, yeah, movies every now and then, well, depending on what the movie is. If cool, we'll do. Rest related. in peace, by the way. Uh, yeah, check it out. It's Purple Underground. You know? it, it's so. <laughs> oh yeah. So so funny. We always talk about that. That's like, man, this whole watch thing is so difficult to grow a YouTube channel based on watches. Like I've been doing it for. I think we've both been doing it for over a year and we have yeah. yet to hit the damn thousand subscriber mark and we're like, what is mm. going on? Yet yeah. other people do some blogs or some stupid ass videos that you're like, what? And they have thousands of subscribers and I'm like, how, how is that possible? Like doing a, a watch review video, it's very difficult. You have to do the research. You got to make sure you get everything right or else people call you out on the comment section. Mm. Then you need to shoot the damn thing right. You need to get the right lighting. You need to figure it out. Yeah. Then you need to edit it. It's a ton of work. And then the reward is like, great. Not a lot of views, you know? So mm-hmm. 
I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> gotta keep grinding. Gotta keep grinding. You gotta keep grinding, you know. But it, but this is the cool yeah. thing about partnering up with with people like you, like Notas. You know, hopefully, once all this is is, is over with, yeah, and yeah, for sure, we could review your watches and kind of keep keep that partnership going, if you will. And and yeah, we'd love to uh, to kind of do that, man. But uh, for me, I I haven't really done much in terms of watching tv or anything the only one thing that we watched and we were super disappointed was the show empire i don't know if you guys know what that is but it was on fox and mm. it, it was really good in the beginning but then that whole thing would just see smollett happen in chicago right where he whatever he made up a bunch of thing and the show just kind of went downhill from there Dude, I and the empire for a season yeah it was good it was good so now it was in the sixth season and uh, it was supposed to go to 20 episodes, right? The grand finale or whatever. Well, because of COVID-19, as what they're saying, they couldn't film anymore. So they stopped it at 18. So a lot of the things leading up in episode, uh, I mean, in the season six in the beginning, uh, they didn't even like wrap it up. It's like, well, wait, 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 wait. In the beginning, you said this person was going to die or this. Uh, mm-hmm. And it just, they just kind of wrapped it up in, in, a, in a really weird way that I'm like, all right. I I just hate oh, it, you know, and I hate when yeah. shows. A, do a lot that. of so things are like, being disrupted I, I, that was by very the, the whole me, COVID you know situation. I mean? So, yeah. yeah, it's crazy. It's just like I, it, I'm just so over it, man. It's like I'm, I'm just tired of like uh yeah you know with yeah. just everything you go to the store you have to be super careful you people don't want to come to your house right any services like like cable or the gas company like they're so caught they ask so many questions like is anybody uh sick has anybody gone to to asia yeah. in the last 14 yeah. days and i'm like why are like, all these questions right. and I'm, just, I'm i'm just done like, yeah can we can just back to normal yeah. like i want to take my son to the park like come on yeah well, some weird that happens to me when I'm at work, it happens today, as a matter of fact, when I got out, before I got out, um, an escalator broke down. So I had to call the escalator company in, and they say, well, has anyone um, there contracted COVID-19? Do you have any reported cases? I'm like, no, but I don't, I can't tell you for sure. I didn't say that. Like, I can't tell you for sure. If somebody didn't walk through here with it, I don't know, but no. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's just a crazy question. Yeah, but I guess they, for legal reasons, they kind of got to cover themselves. Like, my, my company, the one that I work for, we're still operating, but because we do meet with the public every once in a while or different people and we have to be on the street looking at different things, they gave mm-hmm. us this kind of, like, sheet that kind of says, like, hey – we, we're an essential company in case we get pulled over by the cops and stuff like that. But it's just crazy. It's like, really you have to be walking around with this and with a mask and it, it's getting kind of hot here in California. It's like, how? come on, like, geez, man, just don't yeah, do what please, no. is set to do, right? To inject oh yourself God. with Lysol. Lord, have mercy. Did or, you have to say, oh, yeah. Oh God. Oh or ultraviolet light, right? Because COVID-19 dies with the heat. So yeah, go, go. Oh my god. Yeah, you yeah, I saw the headlines in New York is, and um, yeah, it, it's bad. It's yeah. bad. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. It's crazy, guys. So, but anyways, but with that said, is this uh, stay safe out there, everybody, and I know we we'll, all we'll get through this together and and you guys as a company, you're you're gonna get through it, man. And and we're yeah, we're no we're gonna have this conversation again, hopefully on your podcast. Yeah, I would love time. to. You know, yeah, we'll, we should definitely we'll do a long roads things. episode. We have plenty um, of things to talk about. As yeah, yeah. Watches, believe me. So cool. <laughs> oh yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Let me know, man. We're.
we're game. I'm oh, game. Yeah, so. Definitely. Oh yeah, I'm down. I'm yeah. Down. So website is but, uh, noticewatches.com. Uh, right, yeah, That's N O D U S. Instagram, same thing at noticewatches. Um, you can find me personally at Wes underscore K W O K. Um, my direct email is Wesley at Notice Watches. Um, Long Roads is at Long Roads Podcast on Instagram. But if you just go on our website, you'll see on the top right the um, the podcast on the main navigation. So yeah, we're everywhere. We're also nowhere. We're there when you and not when you don't. So. <laughs> We have eight. I recorded Sounds nine. Like, how many episodes? That, and I have like seven have. scheduled for this week. So, yeah. Dang, that's crazy. All right. Congrats, man. I mean, cool. we only well, you guys have uh, big boy jobs. I'm, I'm still just that's already crap, a lot. So. <laughs> Come on, man. You have a very important job. You have the, the job. Oh, yeah. of, Thank you. I, I do appreciate uh, that. Thank uh, you very much. Watchmaking. So <laughs> that's super important, man. P, where can they find you? Uh, Rob's wristwatch love everywhere. Um, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, <laughs> MySpace, LinkedIn, linked out. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. And then me, obviously, SoCal Watch Reviews on YouTube. And then SoCal Watch Reviews podcast and Instagram as well. And then for all my Spanish speakers, Relojando, I'll leave it in the in the link below. So every, every English video that I make, I, I do it in Spanish. And I do have this new show with Fred where we discuss a watch in Spanish. And I do the same thing with Pete, but in English. So, yeah, just it's a lot of work, but I definitely want to make sure. Did you get sure. my Spanish message the other day? Yes, I did. Thank you so much <laughs> okay. for uh, for using Google Translate. I, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate Not the effort. Problem. Not a problem, yeah. sir. You know, I can't. I can't discriminate against my my Latin people, so I, I had to do something for them. Channel's not big, but it's growing, and the support that I'm getting, at least from from the culture on my end, it's, it's pretty cool. You know, it's cool to see uh, people being very supportive. So, uh, uh, not as many, not as much uh, hate coming through in, in my Spanish one as the English one. <laughs> the English one, man, you get some people, some dumbass comments in there. <laughs> I, I had a guy, so I, I did the review on the Pagani Design, right? It's like a 42 mil watch, but overall it's like 40, so almost 50, or I forgot the dimensions. But in the video, of course, to be clever, you know, I was like, you know, as you can see, this watch on, on my wrist fits like a glove or whatever, you know? And this guy goes, fits like a glove my ass. Sure. That doesn't, And I'm like, seriously, like, really, that's the comment you're going to leave me. Like, it, it, it's like, come on, man. You, just, you have nothing. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, comment. That comment ain't nothing compared to the comment I got the other day. What was that? Oh my God, this dude. I guess it was some black dude. He comes on and say, "Yo, my N word. What are you doing? My N word. Yo, wow. The what the watch is that with the ice? That's iced out. You know what I'm saying? You know we don't wear nothing other than that." I said, "Oh my God. Wow. Very stereotypical." I, 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 yeah, I, I, I can't even respond to that. I just left it like that's <laughs> crazy. And I'm like, dude, man, I don't want no crystallized, iced out piece of bullshit you're talking about. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> That's uh, anyway. Yeah, no, that's that's a sad world, you man. Know. It's very stereotypical, but what are you gonna do? You know, so. But anyways, guys, so that's that's been episode 30. Wes, thank you so much again for, for coming on. Go check them out. 
beautiful watches be on the lookout new releases um well coming in the in, in the, yeah, in thank the you near guys. future but restock coming very soon so Wes, thank you again come up yep all right guys well thank you sir yeah as cool, always cool, guys cool. stay humble